This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Heather Haverleski, an author who recently published the book Foreverland on the divine tedium of marriage. She also writes the Ask Polly Advice column, formerly on New York Magazine, now on Substack. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. All right. All right. I have just realized that because we are such electric conversationalists, we're not going to have time for the two letters and we should pick one. I like busted my friend, but I don't even understand it. I don't understand it. Do you want to read it? Maybe you'll understand it better if you you talk through it. Okay, ready? Ghostbuster. I recently busted my friend of 25 plus years when they attempted to ghost me. I talk to this person frequently, at least every two weeks, and we have mutual friends. Between that and their social media addiction, it wasn't hard to figure out what they were doing when they suddenly stopped returning calls and texts. It hurt but I got up the courage to leave them a message saying goodbye and expected that to be that. They then messaged me saying that they had grown to resent me and basically lied to me anytime I asked if they were okay, as they have been irritated for a long time. The reasons they gave, work, a bad roommate situation, poor sleep, etc., always made sense. So whenever I tried to cheer them up with a dinner, a small gift, chatting, I was unknowingly making things worse. Now it's over and I don't feel bad about it. The reasons they gave were vague and I don't think anything they might have said would have justified months or years of lying to me about our relationship and trying to fade away while I worried about if they were hurt, if something was wrong, surprise, something was, before coming to the conclusion alone that they were ghosting me. I ended up feeling surprisingly lighter. I don't feel like there was more I could have done. I thank them for their contribution to my life, and I'm moving on. The catch is, I find I have this little seed of doubt now about those around me, worrying that if this person could lie to me, and likely to themselves part of the time, how secure are any of my relationships? I know it's not reasonable to apply this person's actions and to the others in my life, but despite honestly being able to make a relatively clean and healthy break from a relationship with poor communication, I haven't come out unscathed. I'm hoping spending time with other friends and family will help me feel more secure and help me heal. Any advice on exercising? I think excising is probably, is it excising probably? Any advice on excising wounds left by old ghosts? I just realized, by the way, that that was um, my my own computer auto-corrected exorcising. Oh, I still think excising was the right, right. way to go because uh, it's, I always like overemphasize the O to make sure everyone knows I'm not saying exercise and then I just sound nuts. Exorcising. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, banishing. It's I better could reread it with banishing. Nah, you're great. I, okay. I want the people to know about my own failures with the letter O. Um, 
what are your thoughts? What are you, what are you feeling here? I, d- I definitely have a, an initial take, but I, I sort of led the way on the last one. So I want you to get us started with this. Okay. Well, first of all, I, you know, I always start from the end. That's my flaw as an advice giver. Hey, you know, every broken relationship leaves you feeling paranoid about all your other relationships. That's part of how it feels when you're young and you're, I mean, okay, am I assuming, oh, I busted my friend of 25 plus years. This is not, I'm not talking about a child here. Well, see, I've already got it all wrong. What can I, what can I possibly say? Okay. Can I ask you a question? Of course. Yeah. I just have a question about, I busted my friend of 25 plus years when they attempted to ghost me. What I want to know is this, where's the busting? Like the friend disappeared and I... I figured out that they were still, it wasn't hard to figure out what they were doing because they suddenly stopped returning calls and texts. But isn't that just what ghosting, like how did, how, where's the, I don't understand what it means to like bust someone for ghosting when they just ghosted you. And then what is busting? Like you confronted someone who ghosted you is what this person means. Is that what it means? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think the busted there is, is, an attempt to, you know, kind of make this a story where they don't just feel hurt and excluded. They also feel like I caught something. I, you know, maybe didn't exactly put a stop to it, but I, I called bullshit um, so that it's not just a story about being hurt and left. It's also a story about being savvier than someone else thought I was um, or, or being willing to, to wade into conflict when the other person wasn't. That was my sense of why they chose that word. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, whenever anyone says it's over now and I don't feel bad about it, but it, there's a letter about it that I'm reading. Um, I understand I feel lighter. That rings true, but just like, I don't feel bad about it, but I'm haunted because I don't know which of these friends around me I can trust because I truly trusted this person and they were bullshitting me this whole time about anything that was going on with them. They didn't say uh, that they were annoyed with me for years. And then they just took this because I called their bluff and said, you're ghosting me. They said, um, all right, fine. You want to know the truth? And all this stuff came tumbling out, which, yeah, it's just like, you know, there's this shadow of two people who aren't engaging in a very honest way here that I'm, that I'm curious about. Um, Yeah. Yeah, me too. If, if I were to like to draw a through line between our letters today, as well as that conversation uh, more broadly about your your book launch and some of the you know uh, first reactions that you've seen, is I, I think that there can be this desire to you know smooth out any potentially negative or tricky affects, feelings, impulses, desires, expectations in advance, um, and some of that can be good. You know, it is nice to try to uh, make you know, basic daily interactions smooth. It's nice to think about or consider other people's feelings. It's nice to look to make things uh, pleasant and pleasing where possible. But of course, like anything, that can extend too far and it can eventually turn into 
you know, treating the idea of looking vulnerable or hurt or having had an expectation as the worst possible outcome in a given situation. And I just think that that's the limit for me, where it stops being considerate and useful and it becomes a little bit pathological. I don't mean pathological like you're you're a monster, you're awful, but I do think it's like, it's a problem of our time very much. Yes. And, and so it's just yes. like, I, I get, I, I I think, you know, I feel the same way about this letter writer uh, as, as you do, which is like, I, I believe them when they say they feel lighter. You know, I, I think what they are trying to get at when they say I don't feel bad is like, I'm not desperate to restore this friendship. Um, I, I, I am prepared to accept this loss and I'm not taking all of it personally. But I just think, I, I, it doesn't ring true to me because like, if you didn't feel bad that a friendship of 25 years had just ended, that would strike me as a little cold. Like, I, I think it's just better to say there's ways that I feel lighter. There's ways that the way that my friend handled the end of this relationship that made me think less of them and didn't want to restore uh, or, or repair things. Um, this isn't the end of my world, but of, of course I feel bad. I'm Yes, hurt. and also, how who doesn't feel... You know, when someone doesn't tell you uh, you've been pissing me off for, you know, years now, and then they say it all at once, it's sort of like this person has been, you know, has been dishonest to you for so long, and they're just observing your behavior. You don't have all the information you need in order to be a good friend, and yet you're allowed to sort of be hung out to dry and observed as a worse and worse person in their eyes simply because you aren't working with, because they aren't being honest with you, which is another theme of the letters today. Yeah. And so, you know, letter writer, I don't want to put these two things in the same category. I just want to encourage you, you know, part of what was painful about the end of this friendship and part of what it sounds like led to the end of this friendship was that your friend was not willing to share maybe low-level frustrations or concerns with you. Um, and then that eventually built up to a point where conversation was pretty near impossible. And you should be, I think, looking for ways to not replicate that experience. And so you have, I think, an opportunity here not to say, oh, I don't feel bad, which in some ways gestures at the truth and in other ways doesn't. And to say, I feel bad and that is reasonable and okay. And it's not the same thing as saying, I'll never get over this or I'm destroyed or this is the worst thing that's happening to me. But it is important to acknowledge, you know, all the range of your feelings right now, including the ones that feel bad and the ones that make you feel left or hurt. And, you know, I I feel like I I don't want to veer into it's not your fault, goodwill hunting territory of like, you need to have a breakdown and cry about this. You don't. Um, But, you know, look for ways to be, uh, you know, neutral when you're searching for honesty here. Like the goal is not be fine. The goal is not have no affect. Um, Beyond that, again, I really want to stress letter writer. I'm really sorry. This does sound painful and difficult. I can understand why um, you felt hurt and frustrated that you had to be the one to bring something up. I also don't want to encourage you to move too quickly into uh, this is just one person. They're an outlier. I know that my doubts are totally unfounded. No one else would do this. Um, how do I just like let this go as a one-off? I, I don't think that you should. And that's not to say I think you should go back and look over this and say this was all my fault and I'm a bad friend. But, you know, something fell apart pretty substantially and pretty significantly. 
And I want you to be able to look at it and think, are there things that I could have done differently without then having that turn into, this was all my fault. I did everything wrong. I'm the worst. All my other friends are going to do this. And I think that's possible. I think you can handle that. So, you know, you say, I busted my friend of 25 plus years when they attempted to ghost me. Without saying that their attempt to ghost you was a good one, because I don't think that it was, I find that pretty defensive. And I, I feel like if you were able to put that defensiveness down for a minute, maybe ask yourself, when I first started noticing that something was different and I didn't say anything and I didn't mention uh, my own concerns, which it sounds like you had for a little while, you, you, you were feeling like something was up, but you didn't name it. You didn't ask outright beyond the like, immediate, um, how are you today? So that was, I think, a missed opportunity on your end. And again, that doesn't mean that you therefore like deserved what your friend did or that that makes you awful. It's just useful to think about like, okay, I want to try to make sure that this doesn't happen in my other friendships because I don't think this is just like that was a bad friend and the rest of your friends were good friends. I think any friendship that's going to last more than, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, you have to be prepared for handling conflict. And I think sometimes people have these weird expectations of their friendships where they're like, fighting is for your romantic partner. You can fight with them, but you really can't fight with your friends. You have to kind of make sure that you're always on the same page about things or that you scoot through disagreements really fast. Because if you're fighting with a friend, who knows what could happen? And, and then you get to it's something like, it sounds like you guys were friends for 25 years without really quarreling. Can I say that I feel like this person avoided conflict. They both were avoiding conflict for a while. And then, like you said, the first initial straight out of the gate, I busted you kind of approach. When you are afraid of knowing the truth, that's a common kind of scenario where you're sort of like, I mean, I recently had a situation with a friend where um, I just kept feeling haunted by this idea that my friend was backing away from me and backing away from me. And then when I brought up the subject. I waited too long. And my initial approach was too much. I think sometimes when we bottle things up and then come out, it's like you're, you can put someone on the defensive straight out of the gate. And then the friendship is almost done before you even have the conversation about what's going on. If it weren't busted, if it weren't like getting busted, or if it weren't like in my case, like I think this is going on and is that going on? And I, you know, I just talked too much. Um, if I had made some space for someone, for my friend to have an, her, her own opinions and ideas about what might've gone wrong. And if I had made some sort of gentle, like we can have conflict and still be friends. We can be misunderstanding each other and still be friends. Like, let's just talk about what's here. If I had listened first, um, I think I wouldn't have made my friend feel this kind of defensive reaction, which it sounds like your friend did too. Um, suddenly it was like, oh yeah, you, oh, you think I'm messing up? I'll tell you how you, everything you've messed up. And that's like, that's the scenario you want to avoid at all costs. You want to have an ongoing conversation. And sometimes I find that with friends, um, it's helpful to say, well, are, how are you feeling a, about, you know, do you, are you feeling okay about our friendship? Like, Actually doing kind of a wellness check on your friendship explicitly is sometimes a good idea if you feel like things are a little off or if you just want to open up that line of communication and start having a kind of macro conversation about your friendships. I mean, that's 
people in marriages do it all the time. And these things should be applied to long-term friendships. Yeah. Yeah. You know, letter writer, I, I want to encourage you to do some of your own kind of fact-finding on, on your side of the relationship. I really do want to stress that does not mean that I secretly think that your friend was totally right and you just didn't give her a fair shake. Um, I, I'm only saying this because, you know, you don't have access to her thoughts anymore. You two aren't talking and you don't want to be friends again. So, you, you know, this is the only work that you can do. And it's very rare that one person is 100% wrong and the other person is 100% right. Those moments are vanishingly rare. So even if you, you know, do some of this work and you still feel at the end of it like, you know, I, I still feel like I, uh, you know, she ought to have done this or that differently, you know, that that can still be true too. All you're looking at is things that you might want to do differently in the future, not like, wow, you really messed messed up. You really should have done something wildly differently. And the fact that you didn't means you're a terrible friend. I don't think that's the case at all. I just think, you know, you say you got up the courage to leave them a message. So that that tells me, you know, you were afraid and you were nervous. And, and that makes sense to me. Um, and then it kind of looks like saying goodbye and expecting it to be that. That was maybe the choice that you made because you were afraid was, I'm scared. I'm not sure my friend's going to be honest or careful with me because she's been so avoidant. So rather than risk rejection, I'm just going to say, I guess we're done being friends now. And that's that, you know, and this isn't somebody you'd only known for like a few months or, you know, only met up with a few times. This was an old, old friend. Um, and, and this was basically the only conversation you planned on having. Um, I, you know, you don't really say what they said they had come to resent you about other than the fact that it was vague. So I, I don't want to try to make a ruling on, you know, how valid I think some of her complaints might have been. I'll just say that it, you know, it doesn't surprise me given that you two only had one brief conversation about a dynamic that lasted for months or even years that you didn't get a very clear picture of what had been going on with her. I think it's safe to say you got limited information that was delivered kind of in the heat of the moment. Um, and also the goal now is to flush out old ghosts, which tells us a lot about where we are. If the, you know, because if you don't want to repeat, you know, you're feeling a little bit paranoid about will my other friendships fall apart this way, whether you like feeling that way or not. And if you don't want to repeat the same mistakes, actually, you, you should actually spend some time with some ghosts and think about like what they have to tell you instead of just trying to flush them out the door so you can feel free of this you know, it's gone, it's gone, it's over, I'm done. Um, these kinds of things really, and these kinds of friendship endings can haunt you for a long time, but there's always something informative about what aspect of it is haunting you. Um, and when you move toward that, those, when you move toward the ghost instead of away from it, you learn a lot about things that maybe you are afraid to face about yourself. And again, I agree this is not a uh, shut and closed. Well, obviously your friend was right and you were wrong. And secretly we're he, 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 we know you're the messed up one. I mean, this is a, that's like a primitive uh, view of how these things work. No, you, you, um, but your ability to welcome new information from the situation is going to make you feel more confident about what the friendship was and who you are as a friend yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And so to that end, you know, I think the best thing that you can do, there are there are fairly concrete and straightforward um, answers to your fear. And that's not to say I can offer you a recipe for friendships that will never go through conflict or end. Um, 
or that people won't still decline to share important information with you if they are too afraid to. Obviously, you know, you cannot control that element of relationships. And that's part of why people write books about friendships and marriage, because it is difficult to be intimate and be known. Um, but, you know, I, I think not just spending time with other friends and family, and especially not just spending time telling your side of the story so that people say, oh, I'm really sorry, your friend acted really badly, I feel really bad for you. Which, again, like, wanting, you know, compassion or or sympathy from friends is is a good and an understandable thing. I don't mean don't ask for that. But I would really start with, here's what happened. It's really you know, difficult and painful. And one of the things that it's made me aware of is that I don't really have a way of checking in with my friends to see, you know, how are things going? Is there anything that maybe I've assumed will say static over years and decades of a friendship, but that might actually need to change? Um, and so one of the things that I want to start to do a little bit more is um, check in with you. I don't want to like every time we hang out, call you afterwards and ask you to fill out a customer survey um, and, you know, constantly assess, like, are you okay that I asked you this question? Are you comfortable with the fact that I offered to buy you dinner? Like, um, but yeah, to just occasionally leave room for, um, are things okay? Is there anything that's on your mind? And I, I think had you reached out to your friend and said something like, I've noticed that you've been pulling away for a while. I, I, I do want to tell you that it hurts me and, and confuses me. I don't know what's going on. And I would like it if you would maybe share some information with me. If there's something I've done or said to hurt or upset you, I'd like you to share it with me if you feel comfortable. I can't promise that I will necessarily, you know, feel the exact same way about it, but I can promise you that I will listen and I will give your perspective serious thought and I will, you know, think before I give you my own answer or version of events. Um, and I don't say that like, oh, then you would have restored your great friendship. I just mean it's possible you could have ended the friendship in a way that felt a little bit more clear or um, with less of a sense of sort of like a grievance on either side. Um, and I think it's possible to do with your other relationships. And then they can also still say, I'm still really sorry that your friend pulled away from you like that. Um, that doesn't mean you, you can't ask for any, you know, handholding or, or care. Yeah, I think that's right. It's, it's, it. When you when you get clarity on why things are falling apart or why they ended, um, you end up feeling, in some ways, the only way to get rid of old ghosts is by living well. In the what is the that quote? The best revenge is living well, or something like that. I mean, it's not really obviously. If you think of it as revenge, that's you're you're lost automatically. Yeah, but um, it's not revenge. But, it sounds nice, but it's not revenge. No, it's just uh, you know. Correcting, correcting course a little bit and understanding, making it your goal to understand uh, how checking in and making it your goal to understand the, what, how healthy are your friendships right now and how free do people feel to tell you when they need something from you and how good are you at saying, asking people for what you need very specifically and also saying no when you're asked to give someone something that you don't want to give them. There's a lot of kind of automatic i tried to please the other person in this letter that's mm -hmm. a, there's this background noise of i just tried to adjust and and read this person's mind and and please them and anytime you can kind of move out of that automatic automatic space and into a more active hey how have your needs changed and hey my needs have changed and hey i'm going to say no a little more often cuz sometimes this isn't working for me and i hope you understand like that's how you start to feel like, okay, 
it's all right. Sometimes things don't work, but moving forward, I'm going to make sure that I know where I am with this friend. Yeah. And of course, like all of this falls under the category of leading a horse to water can't make him drink. You know, you can encourage these kinds of conversations with your friends. You can cultivate, you know, bringing up low level stuff that frustrates or upsets you with your friends in a reasonable way rather than sitting on it and hoping it never comes up again. But you also cannot force them um, to participate. And there are plenty of people who will find ways to avoid even the lowest level conflict, regardless of how much encouragement you give them. So I also want to acknowledge this is not a perfect solution that guarantees no one is ever going to pull away or avoid important conversations. Um, But I think you will feel a lot better if you name the things that you're afraid of, if you don't dance around them or avoid them or hope someone else will bring it up. And again, none of that's a value judgment on like it was incumbent upon you to say something sooner. And the fact that you didn't means you deserve to get hurt in the way that you did, just that there are real practical ways that you can mitigate and minimize the likelihood of this happening on the same scale again with your other friends. Um, And that will serve you a lot better than saying, that friend was bad. My other friends are good and wouldn't do that. Because I think many, many people who have wonderful qualities and will respond well if you draw them out um, won't volunteer uh, for this kind of conflict. And so sometimes you have to really uh, make room for, for other people to feel comfortable to do so. And somebody's got to start first, so it might as well be you. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.